0: What impact does sowing time have on wheat yields in the Mallee? And does variable rate technology improve crop performance? How does sowing time and vary rate impact on ground cover and drought resilience? Hi, I'm Nick Paltridge from Mallee Sustainable Farming. In this podcast, I catch up with Millerwa farmer Anthony Rowe and agronomist Peter Baird, and we discuss a couple of demonstrations that are taking place on Anthony's farm and how the 2023 season is shaping up. So we're in Anthony Rose Paddock at Merrinee. How are you going, Anthony? Yeah, good, thank you, Nick. So what we got going on is a time of sowing demonstration. Tell us a bit about the crop on either side of this line, Anthony.
1: What we've got on the 1st of May, we started off sowing, sceptre wheat, at about 40 kilos, 70 kilos of fertiliser. And then, as you can see, we've got two runs in, jumped the fence and started the next paddock. What were the
0: moisture conditions on that 1st of May time of sowing?
1: We'd had 15 mil, I think it was about... Ten days beforehand so it was sort of marginal yes Yes. we started off we were scratching our heads what we were going to do so we jumped the fence and
0: thought we'll come back to this one at a later date which we did it was 22 days later but what's really striking is the difference in the way the crop looks we've got peter baird here who's an agronomist active in the area how are you peter yeah good thank you nick so what do you reckon a demonstration like this can tell us about dry sowing versus sowing once the moisture
2: really comes in in late may Well every year is different and when we have a 1 in 15 or 20 year June rainfall event we see crops that are sown late could still yield well. Any other time there was that difference in sowing from start of May to late May there wouldn't be anywhere near the potential in that later sown crop. Yeah I wonder what do you reckon the yield impact will be on that 22 day sowing difference? I'd say in the majority of years in this environment the later sown crop would be nearer to three quarters of a tonne to a tonne behind given average to poor finish in September, October, which is probably the standard for us, unfortunately, this area. That'd be my guess, that the early sown crop will be considerably in front.
0: And how do you set a farm up to take advantage of dry sowing, Peter? What sort of things have to be in place for dry sowing to be a good option?
2: Well, every farm is different, and it's probably up to the individual farmer to know what their farming system needs to look like, whether that's having diversity in there to cover risk or whether they run livestock, etc but going the specifics of dry sowing, one particular thing is weeds of significance. If you've got weed issues and you're going to go and dry sow, if you haven't got strategies around that, you're just yep, putting yourself to the sword. So if you've got management strategies around that, dry sowing early leaves the option open that you've always got the potential to grow bulk, and get out of the way of just sowing when it's wet or, or cold, which has implications around root disease and growth, etc. But the big thing a lot of people worry about with sowing early is frost late, whereas if we sow to avoid frost, we got issues with heat shock and stress around flowering grain field late with generally drier conditions and warmer conditions in our environment. So it all comes back to having the farming system set up how they want it and being aware of risks. Weeds is a big one early on if you're dry sowing. You've got to have strategies around that, which comes back to having good rotation in place to bring that back into check so you can take advantage of dry sowing
0: and anthony have you had to make any tweaks to your rotations and weed management to take advantage of dry sowing we've only just started the last three four years now direct drilling so it's all a learning curve at the
1: moment so i'm still trying to get me rotations to work trying to run the sheep as well so the plans i've got for the next couple of years it's still up in the air a little bit to try and get them
0: how i should have what have been your biggest weed challenges over the last couple of years
1: definitely ryegrass turnips which is common but now that i'm starting to sow quite a few vetch and and peas
0: they're all starting to come through into the following year wheat crops now we've also got blake gontar with us who's a sardi based plant pathologist specializing in rhizoctonia would you expect these differences in sowing times to have implications for rhizoctonia in a paddock like this blake
3: quite possibly i think both (coughs) <coughs> sowing times are early enough to avoid the worst effects of rhizoctonia on the seedling stage but certainly the earlier sown crop is able to get a lot of establishment a lot of root development before rhizoctonia is likely to ramp up and we can see in that early sown crop it looks pretty even but the later sown crop is not looking too bad either and i don't think there's huge rise of effects here that are evident so far
0: Crops certainly looking pretty healthy and looks like it should yield pretty well but it just seems we need to keep an eye on rhizoctonia just the same.
3: Yeah absolutely the deceptive thing is if it's ticking along on those crown roots and then next year we don't get an early sowing opportunity that's where it might cause more problems but I guess the other thing is is and this is a bit of a paradox is if we've got really high yield potential and that lesser amount of rhizo removes say five to ten percent it's still a fair impact on a four ton crop versus maybe a one ton crop with huge bear patches in it where probably no amount of management of rhizos really are making a difference to your bottom line so in your better crops may not be as visible but may actually be worth managing thank you blake
0: anthony just looking at these two crops which crop would you back to make it this spring it's sort of starting to dry out a bit now
1: definitely the early one but they're talking down to zero again on the weekend, we get frost or something. Now, I think I'd rather be on the one that's sown a little bit later, but at this point, I got my money on the
0: early sun. Yes, and that crop's out in head and flowering, and it's what the 5th of September today. Um, so I'm a little worried <laughs> if we get through the frost period, then we'll be backing this one, otherwise, our money's on the later sown one. Well all eyes to the sky and to the thermometer there's lots of risks we have to balance up aren't there there is yes but that's farming and peter bed you were saying that you think that risks farmers face really are quite geography specific could you elaborate a bit on the risks that you see with your Millerwa growers
2: yeah i suppose one thing just thinking about it, driving here from farming 100 kilometers to the north in far west southwest new south wales to say even here in the Millerwa there's differences in what farmers may do as a strategy to manage their risk. So a lot of guys, particularly, say, with barley, in far south-west New South Wales, won't sow that early because they actually get too much bulk and it can risk running out of moisture really rapidly, whereas in the Millua, a lot of farmers who grow barley will nearly always plant it first. So it's just different risk strategies based on, it's only, say... 100km difference uh, north to south, so that's one thing around sowing time, which is just a matter of knowing their farming system and where their level of risk is at. Thanks Peter. And Anthony, are there, are there any tricky decisions that
0: you're having to make in recent years that you could use a bit of help with? I suppose just
1: getting your head around going from conventional to uh, direct drill, the usage of chemicals, the amount of time you spend on a spray cart now compared to beforehand. Just trying to get my head around that, try and do as well as minimal that we have to, try and cut costs a bit. And, yeah, I suppose it's a whole new ball game. So it's good to come to these days just to see
0: what the other neighbours are doing and, and learn a bit more from you guys. Thanks, Anthony. And just finally... Peter's been digging a few holes in the early and late sown crops. Are you seeing any differences in soil moisture under there, Peter?
2: Well, definitely. The earlier sown crop in the top foot has definitely dried that profile out, which is what you would expect and would want it to do for the purpose of where it's at, growth stage, being much further in front. I'd suspect if I could dig a deeper hole that under the later sown crop we'd find more moisture in the lower depth of the root zone, which is going to need to get itself home if there's not... A comfortable sort of spring finish
0: all right well thanks for coming out and thanks anthony for hosting us today we'll look forward to seeing how these crops finish up and we'll report back in a few months time as to which crop won out in terms of yield now we're also doing a very rate trial on uh, anthony's place yeah i understand you had a paddock em38 mapped uh, a few months ago anthony yeah i did and have you got vary rate gear on your yeah we do we um, set up
1: on our air set uh, I- converted that from manual over to variable rate hydraulic drive and in that paddock we did the whole paddock variable rated we did the seed two different rates up to 55 kilos of seed over the hills down to 40 on the flats and then the fertilizer was set at four
0: different rates ranging from 90 to 40 kilos and it looks quite well we're really looking forward to seeing um, impacts on yield gross margins uh, across the different soil types and then also ground cover. In a paddock like this, Peter,
2: would you back blanket rate or vary rate? This sort of soil type, variation across the paddock, I would be definitely running with a variable rate scenario. Probably a different approach to what I would have thought 10 years ago where we'd really try and draw back inputs on flats. But yeah, 100% I would be advocating variable rate's going to give you a better return on investment, given that 90% of years there's certain soil types in this pad that are always going to give a return, so inher- inherently we want to probably put uh, our money where our greatest return's going to be. And would
0: We're that mobile. be both nitrogen and phosphorus?
2: Yeah, I'd still work on phosphorus as a replacement, but in saying that, because we've got constant removal on our better soil types, in essence, they're nearly always going to need more and, re- and be worth applying more to, but the bigger variation is going to be an N. there's no doubt about that seasonally depending on how the lead into seeding is etc and what our potential expectations are.
0: Alright so the pressure's on Anthony we want that yield monitor working in your harvester and we're looking forward to seeing a yield map on that very rate paddock yeah. later in the year. We're also looking forward to monitoring ground cover and erosion risks on these treated paddocks. Yep no, it's going to be interesting. Thank you.
1: This project is supported by the Mallee Catchment Management Authority through funding from the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to hear more, like and subscribe to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. Catch you later.